In our message today, we've, if you've been following along, we've been in the book of Ruth and during our series in the book of Ruth, but we are shifting gears out of the book of Ruth, and we are going to move to Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 8. Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 8. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. In Acts chapter 2, you would find the story of Pentecost. If you might recall that they were in an upper room praying together and the Holy Spirit came. Pentecost was also a Jewish holiday that took place 50 days after Passover. The, at that time, people were there for that celebration, then the Holy Spirit came, and then, then the preaching that took place where they spoke and everyone heard it in their own language as it was being preached is what we would call, as Christians, Pentecost. So, there is a Pentecost, which is a Jewish holiday, 50 days after Passover. We are celebrating Pentecost today, it's Pentecost Sunday, 40 days after Easter, is generally the timeline for that. So, in our reading today, we're not going to go directly there, but we're going to talk about something that happened after that, and we find it's taking place with Peter. Peter is one of the disciples, Simon Peter, Simeon, uh, in Scripture that talks about um, somewhat, you know, Jesus refers to him as the rock. He talks about upon this rock we will build the foundation. And what he was talking about was building it on the rock was the fact of his testimony that Peter gave, not on top of Peter. So there's some denominations that, that put too much emphasis on and think it's built upon Peter. But it's not. But here our story does talk about Peter. So we're going to read in your hearing Acts 11, 1 through 8, and we're going to talk about the story a little bit. Acts 11, 1 through 8, and I guess it would be good if the preacher turned there as well. I don't have it memorized. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa, praying, And in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered, Me, again from heaven, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. At the very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. 
Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John, indeed baptized with the water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. If you are a student of the Old Testament, or have read some of the different Old Testament, you probably are aware that a lot of things happened in the passage of Scripture that we read. But there's some terminologies and some things in there that might not be obvious if you don't have that background. So let's fill in some of those gaps just a little bit. When we run to in the term Gentiles, the Gentile is a non-Jew. Just think of it that way. A Gentile is a non-Jew. And when they talk about circumcised and uncircumcised, it's basically the same terminology. Because if you remember Abraham and Isaac and the introduction of that, that promise that was made to Abraham and his descendants required that they be circumcised. And so that requirement would not have been on non-Jews. And for them to be proselytes and come into the Jewish faith, then they would require that they be circumcised. So at that time, that was a requirement. And so the eating together with these uncircumcised would be a problem. And there were certain foods that you might remember that they were allowed to eat and not allowed to eat. If you look in the Old Testament, it'll talk about certain foods were not allowed to be partaked of. And so you think of things with, with uh, cloven hoofs or split hoofs. And some of those different aspects would be the things that would come into play. If you think about some of the differences between a sheep and, um, and, other, and, and like a cow or a hog, or you notice that their hopes are different. And if you would read the Old Testament on their dietary requirements, you found some of those differences. So you know that they talk about the sheep and lamb and things like that. Their hopes are different. And so they would be in a clean type of animal. And so that's what he's referring to here. <coughs> he's getting in trouble here because he's ate with the uncircumcised, the non-Jew. He's, he's participating with them. We're not talking about that he's participating with sinners that are Jewish. He's, he's participating with those that aren't Jewish. And so that would have been a pro, uh, prohibited in that particular time period. And so they're, they're talking to him about that. And that's verses 1 through 3. So then in verses 4 through 9, he tells a story. He tells 
a vision. So he's praying and he comes into a trance and he sees in a vision a great sheet. So if you got this idea, the four corners of the sheet, and you probably played the game where you, you hold on to, sometimes it's a parachute in school, they'll hold on to and they'll put a ball in it and go like this and hold it tight. But if you think of a sheet or anything with the four corners of it, and two people, you're making a bed or something, you go in the corners of the sheet and you're, you're holding it. And somebody else is holding the other four corners. Now pretend there's a rope that's holding it up. This is the way I envision this, this vision that he's having. But inside of the sheet, there's things inside of the sheet. And what are in there? Four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the, of the air. And we can tell by his reaction that these are things that are unclean. Things that they were prohibited to eat. And as they're lowered down, he sees those things and he's told to rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he's like, I can't eat that because it's unclean. Unclean things haven't entered my mouth. And so he would have been unclean. And to go and, and worship and to participate in things, there were requirements to be clean. There were a lot of things, and if you look back on it now, based on what we know now, it was for health reasons. And they would take care of health, and they would look at someone that had a skin issue, and they would check them out, and they would see if it had done certain things to see if it was infectious, basically. And they would isolate those people, and they had things were clean and unclean, but it also spoke not only to the physical health, but as far as the worship to a holy God. And so Peter has been raised this way, and then he's confronted with all these foods that he previously was not allowed to eat. He is now being told, rise, kill, and eat. Think about your red meat. Think about your red meat, a good steak, something like that. Peter wouldn't be allowed to be partaking of those kinds of things, but here... He's being told to rise and eat. Now you'll run into some, some people who in their faith don't eat certain kinds of animals. But at this point, we find this transition where we are being freed from the restriction of what we're allowed to eat and not eat. Because you'll find some people say they won't eat hogs. Right? They won't eat pork, or they won't eat this, and they won't eat that. But this scripture tells us that it's okay. Now, I'm not telling you to go out there if your doctor's told you not to eat a bunch of red meat. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying from a religious standpoint, that restriction has been removed. So that's another thing that's in there. But he says here in verse 9, What God has cleansed you must not call common but at the same time this happened three times so at the same time if we look at this in the light of what's about to happen that he's going to go preach a message to Gentiles and what's going to happen when he preaches the message to the Gentiles 
they're going to receive the Holy Spirit just like they received it at Pentecost. You might say, well, what's, what's the big deal with that? It's Gentiles that are receiving. Now, most of you here, I don't know if any of you have any Jewish blood in you at all. But most of you are considered Gentiles. And so at this point, the gospel is being opened up, not just to those of descendants of Abraham, but to everyone. And he is allowing it, there's a transition now, to the people that basically eat this meat also have the ability to the gospel. But the restrictions on the eating and not eating of certain kinds of meat has been lifted. Has been lifted. If you remember back in the book of Daniel, we studied it in Supper in the Sunday School, that Daniel didn't want to eat certain things because it was unclean. That's where some of that same history come to. But we're looking again at this part where it says, what God has uh, cleansed, you must not call common. Some of your translations might say they're unclean or unpure. It's a huge shakeup because not only is what they weren't allowed to eat, now they're allowed to eat. The people that were, they weren't allowed to fellowship with in eating, they now are allowed to. And later Peter gets in trouble with Paul because he won't sit down with certain people when the Jews from Jerusalem comes in. He isolates himself from the Gentiles. But see, now they are all able to have the gospel. God's saying it's for everyone. And you don't call what he has cleansed, what God has cleansed, common or unclean. So when we continue down through this passage and we get down farther, we see verse 15, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, how he said, John, indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance of life. You've got to understand this divide. And what was this divide? What did that feel like? I just want you to get a sense of this. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. I want you to feel... The tension. You have people that wear masks, people that don't wear masks, and then you people that wear them absolutely all the time, and the people that's not worn them at all, and then you got the people in the middle, right? Now, in the state of Ohio, June third, all that stuff changes. And people are struggling with the transition. True? Now imagine if maskless people go in where the masked people are. It causes a ruckus. 
Or if the masked people come in and tell the unmasked that they got to put one on, it causes a ruckus. It's a transition. Here you have the circumcised and the uncircumcised, and God's like, okay, now everybody can take their mask off. What? Are you sure that's a good idea? So I'm not talking about the mask, but I want you to talk about how that transition was. That's, listen, this is for generations. We haven't been allowed, allowed to eat this food. And now you're telling me that I'm supposed to go spend time with the Gentiles and that they can receive that the promises of God that were given to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob for the Jewish people and that even our Messiah, our anointed, our promised one is now available to the Gentiles? Yes. And you see there, it says, when they heard these things, they became silent. Then they glorified God, but they became silent. It was a hard thing for them. Then God also granted the Gentiles repentance of life. So you see, Peter's out there. First, he's been told that this food that was unclean, you now can eat it. But what I have cleansed, God says to him, don't call it common. And he's preparing him because shortly after there, the people come to their door saying that Peter now needs to go to Caesarea. So he's saying, I've said the gospel goes to these Gentiles. Don't be calling them common. And when Peter went and they received the Holy Spirit, like they received it at Pentecost, he says, who am I to resist God? God said it was okay to eat, but God's also saying it's okay for the Gentiles. Who am I to argue with what God's saying? Who am I to say that these people aren't worthy of the gospel? Who am I to say that, oh, they're a drunk. Oh, they are... Um, have issues with their sexual life. We don't want them in our church. I'm going to go to these other people. No, those are exactly the people that God wants us to go to. The ones that we think are unclean, well, of course they're unclean. They need Jesus. Were you not ever without Jesus? Yes, you were. You might have done some things that you wish you wouldn't have. But now we have this gift. We can have the Holy Spirit and feel the presence of God. God wants us to share that with others. But on the other side of it, maybe someone's telling you, I know what you used to do. I know where you used to go. I know who your family is. And you're unclean, or you're not this, or you're not that. And what we can say is, yes, but God calls me clean. So I don't need to hide and be afraid and feel low about myself because God has come and saved me and has cleansed me or taken care of my sins. And maybe you've even went to the point of surrendering your life to God and He's cleansed you. Not that you can't sin, but to get rid of that nature that battles within that we, we want to do good and we, and we want to do bad at the same time. We're double-minded. And we're all focused on God. But what God has cleansed, 
don't call common. Don't cut yourself down because other people do. Because Jesus died for you, and if you've accepted him as Savior, then you have that. He has called you, cleansed. While other people might call you common or unclean. Don't lose confidence in your faith because of what other people say. If you want to lose confidence in your faith, that's because you've went against what God's been telling you to do. Then you should be afraid. But don't be afraid of people. They don't hold. They're not the judge for you for eternity. God is. And it's interesting here, the other tidbits of stories that are in here. In verse 13, and they went to the man's house. In verse 13 it says, and he, the man told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you your words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as we begin to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon as upon us at the beginning. God was preparing the soil. The person was seeking, and God says, I will send a way for you to get saved. I will send the messenger. So God was preparing the soil, and so we need to be in prayer that God would prepare the soil before we do the witnessing. But Peter was asked to go where Peter would normally have not gone before. All his training, all his friends. says, you shouldn't go witness to those people. You shouldn't talk to them about Jesus. You shouldn't do this, this thing. And even after he did it, he had to convince them that there was the right thing. Because they called him on the carpet there in the beginning part of the story. And he explained to them, how can I resist God? Because God sent me and I went. So sometimes the Holy Spirit might be a little unconventional to what you're used to. But when God sends you, you need to go. And so some of you, the Holy Spirit might be putting his thumb in his back that you need to be doing something. It might be in your personal witness, your personal life. It might be in a ministry of the church. It might be somebody you need to witness to. But it's like, I'm not comfortable doing that. I've never done that before. I don't know if that's a good idea. But if you know it's the Holy Spirit, it's that still small voice. And when I say that thumb in your back, it's not a shove. It's a push. It's a nudge. And it's that constant pressure. And you're sensing, God's trying to tell me something. And He keeps trying to tell me something. And, and He... Over here, he's telling me the same thing. And then this other situation, it seems like that situation, he's telling me the same thing. And I'm, when I pray, I can't get away from it. God is asking you to do something. You're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. I've never done that before. You might feel like Moses and say, I don't know what to say. I've got a stammering tongue. But God is asking you to do something. And that's what we have is we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, some people might be confused and think that the Holy Spirit is like the force in some Star Wars mo movie. The Holy Spirit, He. The Holy Spirit is an entity in Himself. He has power. He has power. And the Holy Spirit... I think the Greek word talks about pneuma. 
And when the Holy Spirit comes, you can sense His presence. And maybe you've not been in that kind of service, but I've been in service leading with the young people, and you can feel it's almost like a wave as the Holy Spirit moves over the people. I've been in services in camp meeting where the Holy Spirit comes and people start coming to the altar. The evangelist hadn't even got up yet. And people start coming to the altar. And those people get up and other people start coming to the altar. And those people, and they just keep coming. The Holy Spirit is moving. Is moving. And when we pray for someone to be healed or anointed, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that can come into play. But it's the Holy Spirit, that paraclete, as it would say, that come alongside and helps us through things and brings us that peace and that understanding. But see, here the Holy Spirit went to someone that others didn't think were in a place that they should receive it, that others might have thought was unclean, that others might have thought didn't deserve it. But God said, the Holy Spirit is for everyone. We each can have salvation. We ask Jesus into our heart. It's the Holy Spirit that comes and we feel the presence of God. So as you contemplate that, maybe from the standpoint of saying, yes, I am Worthy by the blood of Jesus. I'm unworthy without it. But He has made us worthy by the blood of Jesus. That if we accept Jesus in our heart for the forgiveness of sin and say, God, I am sorry. I've been running away from you. I want to repent, which means I'm going to turn around and go towards you. That Jesus can save us. We ask Him for forgiveness. He comes into our life, but we might think, I'm so unworthy. Yes, we are, but through the blood of Jesus. Now we have the ability to come before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords into the throne room behind the veil and have that excess. And have that excess. And now having that Holy Spirit and having that relationship with God, God might then be calling us to go do something we've never done before but we can go in the power of the Holy Spirit, going to people we might not deem worthy, but somebody probably didn't deem you worthy either. Who prayed for you? Who led you to the Lord? Who invited you to church? Who had that consistent light to say, I want what they have? What are you doing for those around you that need Christ as well to influence their life so they see you and say, I want what they want? Not what they want, what they've got. They've got Jesus. I, they might not understand that's what you have, but they want it. They're trying to understand it, and they're watching. Are you living that kind of life? God's sending you to someone where the Holy Spirit has prepared them and say, go ask so-and-so, and let them come, and they'll tell you about Jesus. And so they reach out to you, and you slam the door because you don't like them. 
There's something about them. Maybe because they wore masks. I don't know. Maybe because they didn't wear masks. I don't know. Maybe they're the wrong political party. Maybe they look at the world differently than you do. Jesus is for them too. Jesus is for them too. The Holy Spirit came. What is the Holy Spirit asking you to do? Let's be standing together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We're thankful that even though those of us that are Gentiles, we're thankful for the salvation that is given as a free gift to us if we just accept you into our life. We're thankful for that. Lord, we're actually thankful we enjoy the red meat that you allow us to eat now. But more importantly, we're thankful for that gospel, for the saving and sanctifying that is available to us. And we pray to Lord that your Holy Spirit would move upon each one that hears this message. That as you are telling them that they need to do something in obedience to you, that they would do it. And lo, it might be a place they've never been before or a way that they've never done it before. But they would be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Oh Lord, help us to rest in you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation, I'm going to have you to keep your heads bowed as we do and, and allow the Holy Spirit. And I want to lead you in a guided prayer.